what our ultimate foundational purpose is as a church. Now we as a church, in order to do this, I believe that we must change dramatically what we are currently doing. Now this change, as, as I may phrase this, similar to what your Sunday School lesson said last week, but this change will un unlikely be easy, it will not be painless, and most likely it will not be quick, but I can guarantee you that God will get us through it, as long as we are a people who continue with a repentant heart towards Jesus and a humbling heart towards Jesus. And as long as we surrender our lives to his will and purpose, I believe that God will lead us through this time in order to get us to a time of fruits and harvest, which is what I'm looking forward to, and I hope you are too. I want a time of fruit and harvest. I'm going to tell on you, Brother Kenny. He came in Wednesday night with his notes from my sermon last week. And he says, I'd like to just skip this part or come back whenever the fruits and harvest are starting. I was like, that's fine, but I'm going with you. So, and I'll come back when everything's going good. But I know he meant that as a, as a joke. He's not going anywhere. He's one of those who's willing to, to stay and fight. So I want us to just take a look at Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16. And we're going to see what we need to do to get back to the basics. Now, again, I almost hesitate to come to this scripture because uh, I don't want to come across as a cliche in bringing this before the church as something that you've already heard. And a lot of you have memorized this verse, but however... We need to really maybe get a fresh look at what Jesus truly is calling First Baptist Church to do here in Malvern. Because let's see what he has for us. And we need to get a refreshing look in order to get back to the basics. So let's start at verse 16. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples, they went away into Galilee to the mountains which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and he spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go therefore and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all things that i have commanded you and lo i am with you always even to the end of the age i missed a phrase in there make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. In a nutshell, actually not really in a nutshell, but at the entirety, the foundation of the work of the church is grounded in what we have just read. This is the basic. Now, whenever I say basis, get back to the basics, I'm not talking about getting back to something simple or something small. I'm talking the very foundational reasons why we are here as a church. The basic principle for why we exist today. The basic reason why Jesus instituted the church and he left us here for the work that we are called to do. So the first thing I want us to talk about is we need to get back to the basics of who Jesus is. Who is Jesus to you? According to what we are finding here and what we see here, is that Jesus is the one with all authority and has been given to him in all heaven and earth. He is the one who holds all authority. And I believe we need to answer this question, or we need to have a proper perspective of who Jesus is in reality of who he is, not what we think he might be, but who truly is Jesus Christ. I want you to understand what, what happened whenever Jesus, when the 11 disciples, they came to him. What do we see? We see two actions that took place. One is they worshipped him. And I fully believe if we have I don't think we can fully grasp who Jesus is because I don't think our infinite mind can wrap around the existence of an infinite God. But if we could just have a, even just a glimpse 
of who Jesus Christ truly, truly is, I believe that we will be a people who will worship him. We will be a people who will humble ourselves before him. We will be a people who will be obedient to him. We will be a people who, who, who will take the purpose for which we are here, and we will take it and we will be obedient to Christ regardless of what the results may be, regardless of what we face. When we truly know who Jesus is, our great God, our great creator, our savior, our redeemer, one who has reached down from heaven to come in order to live his life and to die on the cross for the purpose that we could be saved. And he's left us here with instructions to evangelize the entire world and make disciples of all nations. This is the person, this is in Jesus Christ, who has all authority in heaven and earth. That is the one that we serve. And we, have a, and we are enlightened, even slightly, to who Jesus Christ truly is, then I believe we will truly worship him. And in worshiping, I mean being obedient to our calling as a church. He says, but some doubted. You have to think about this. Some people doubted. His disciples came to him, and, and some worshiped, and, but some doubted. Now they are doubting Why? because they had seen Jesus die on that cross. They saw Jesus buried in that tomb. And now they have, a, they have a man before them who's claiming to be the risen Jesus. And they're like, I don't know if that's him. And the others are going, what do you mean? He's standing right there. That's, that's Jesus. And some are around worshiping, but some are doubting. And I want you to understand, if we find ourselves in a position where we are doubting God, or we're doubting Jesus, we're doubting the truth of the Word of God, you will find yourself in a position where your worship truly is hindered. Because what will will throw us off many times is when we start to doubt and believe what God's Word says about the way that we should live. When we face the world with with these doubts, a lot of times it will freeze us in our steps and we can no longer move forward. So what we can eliminate this doubt... And what can eliminate maybe even our fears in carrying out the great commission to the nations is that we really have a grasp of who Jesus Christ really is to us. He is the head of our church. He is our great God and our commander. He is the one who is ultimately, totally, and completely in charge and in control. And if we get back to the basics of who Jesus is, the one that we serve, I believe it could make a huge difference in the way that we truly live our lives. There was a man who, 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 um, who preached a sermon, and he is no, he's no longer living. But this is something that I, I would encourage you to listen to every single morning, because every time I listen to this, it just really gets me pumped. It's a, it's a short video I want to show you, but he kind of describes, he, he mentions that you know, Jesus is indescribable, but he does his best to try, to try to describe it. So I want you to listen to it and watch and see if you can do it without getting excited. The Bible says he's a king He's a king of kings, and he is a lord of lords. Now that's my king. Do you know him? No means of measure can define his limitless love. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. 
Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. Do you know him? He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? My king is a key of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. Yeah. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mouth. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand it, but they found out they couldn't stop it. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Yeah. He always has been, and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor. And he'll have no successor. You can't even beat him, and he's not going to resign. That's right. Yes, that's my king. How many of y'all heard that before? We've got a couple. Daniel, you listen to that every day. Refresh your mind on who Jesus really is. I was thinking about typing that up and reading it, but I don't think I could do it justice. That's my king. We need to get back to the basics of who Jesus truly is to us as believers in Jesus, as his children, as his church. That's the one that we worship. That is the one that we serve. Secondly, we need to have a basic idea, the foundational idea of what it truly means to go. What does it mean to go? Well, I'm going to tell you what it doesn't mean to begin with. It doesn't mean sit, pray, and wait. Okay? We're really good at that. You know, sit, pray, and wait. Now, praying is good. And sometimes it's required of us to pray. And it's required of us to wait. I'm not saying that those things are never appropriate times. But it's something that we can't do continually. We do have to put into action what Jesus Christ is calling us to do. The Great Commission is not about trying to get, gather people together and, then just, and attract them in to come and to see what we are all about. It's not having a building where we have meetings, meeting times published on, online and in, our, and in cards and in mail-outs and expecting people to come and to show up. 
you have to understand that we as a church, we are here to reach a lost and dying world, to reach people who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So we cannot expect, just by having open doors, that a lost and dying world is going to come worship someone who is not their king. We have to be willing to go out and to get them and to preach the gospel to them, to bring them into the family of God out in the streets rather than trying to coerce them to come in. The word go does not mean that we set a trap and hope that someone takes the bait. You understand, right? You're drawing people in and trying to make things look attractive to pull people in. That is not the way that, that, that Jesus has described this to be. It's not about waiting for people to come in, but we are to be actively uh, present in the world and going into the nations and, and, um, and preaching the gospel and making disciples. That is what we are called to do. Sitting and waiting is not a part of this. We must be active in moving forward. We can put a lot of effort and a lot of resources into, getting, into, into, into putting things in place to, to attract people. But I think that, you, that we all have experience that that doesn't work all of the time, right? Now, I'm speaking by testimony of somebody else, actually several other people. Is it, didn't, it didn't work whenever we built the Family Life Center, did it? No. We didn't get what we were expecting to get when that happened. Now, I'll be the first to tell you I think it's a great blessing to have it. I think it's a wonderful blessing, but, it, but in reality, it has become a burden. Because I believe, you know, understand here, this is me speaking out of love because I love you this much, that we were expecting that to replace the command of go and to get. We would build something and say, you come to us, rather than, hey, we're going to come to you. And I'm not sure if that's the heart of everyone, but that is what I have heard by the testimony of some of you here today. So we need to be very careful that we have an understanding and a proper understanding and get back to the basics of what it means to truly go into the world and to make disciples of all nations. It requires an active step in obedience to the Great Commission. We must get back to the basics. This must lead us to action, to an outward focus. We, can, we, can, we cannot be focused on ministering to ourselves, but we must turn our eyes upon the world around us and the community in which we live and reach out to them in order to reach them with the gospel. And once we come to this, we have an understanding now that, yes, it's not about sit, pray, and wait. We can't just sit, we can't just sit around hoping people will come to our doors. We can't just sit around and wait for people and invite people and, and, have, and have the fancy things that we can offer them once they get here and try to attract them here. The best possible way that we can, that we can reach the world and to fulfill the, commission, the great commission of Jesus Christ is that we go into the community. Whenever we have the realization of this, we need to understand that we need to make specific plans in our ministry. We need to make specific plans to minister to our community and evangelize our people who are directly around us. Which brings me to my next point, is we got to get back to the basics of evangelism. Of evangelism. Now I want you to understand here, it's a good thing for God's people to gather together to minister to the physical needs of those in the community. It's a good thing, and I believe with the heart that God has called us to to help the hungry and to help the homeless and the, and the widow and the orphan, that we, were, that we would go and we would help these people and meet their physical needs. I believe when it's done in the right heart, we can honor God in doing that by loving, um, by loving these people. But I want you to understand something, that that is not the ultimate purpose for which we are here. 
our efforts in meeting the physical needs of our community, they better be resting on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our purpose is not to go build a house for someone whose tornado took it down. We'll be glad to do that if we have the resources and the team together to do that, but you better believe if we want to be a God-honoring ministry that we deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ while we're there. That is the primary focus of our ministries is to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. <clears throat> now you may think, well, well, Jesus, he did a lot of healing. He did a lot of healing of sick. He, he, he met the physical needs of the people that came around him. And people came in droves and he, he, he did this work and he met their physical needs. But I want you to understand, even Jesus did not see that as his primary reason for being here. If you will, from, from where you are, you should be able just to turn one page over and go to Mark chapter 1. We go to Mark chapter 1 and in verse 35, and we'll, I'll show you where Jesus illustrated this exact purpose. He said, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and he prepared, a sol- he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let's go into the next towns. Let's go into the next towns. Why? So we can heal the sick, so we can make the blind see, so we can feed the hungry. No, he says, I'm going to go to the next town to do exactly what we were doing before. As he goes on to say, he goes, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. The purpose for which Jesus was going from town to town, yes, while he was going, he was meeting the physical needs, but, the, but he said here, I want to go to the next town so I can continue what I've already given them, and I want to preach to this, I want to preach there also, because that is the purpose for which I have come. So we need to have an understanding. When it comes to the ministry of the church of Jesus Christ, when it comes to what we are doing with our resources and our times and our ministry, meeting physical needs is great, but it is not a substitute for preaching the gospel of Jesus. I want you to understand you can fully carry out the great commission of Jesus Christ if you don't have a dime or a dollar to your name to build somebody else's house. It requires us to be good stewards of the message that Jesus Christ has left for us to preach. And we need to be like Jesus. If we can and we can help everyone else, Physically, as God has called us to do, I believe that we are responsible for the ones who can't help themselves to take care of them and to love them, but it has to be grounded in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it must be preached. That is the purpose for why we are left here. Because wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree that when you preach the, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ that you are meeting a much greater need than what they have physically? Absolutely. Their greater need is not a physical one. The greater need is a spiritual one the need for them to be healed eternally and to have their sins forgiven, to be washed white as snow. And that can only come whenever they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They must be willing to repent of their sins, and we must be the ones to tell them the truth about how to become right with God through his son Jesus. So back to the basics of evangelism. Evangelism can never, ever be replaced. The preaching of the gospel can never be replaced. I don't care how much work we physically do. The preaching of the gospel is primary, and that is the basics of evangelism. The love and example of Jesus Christ certainly went beyond preaching. It went beyond preaching the gospel, but in no case ever was it anything less than preaching the gospel. 
and we need to get back to the basics of evangelism. And lastly, that we'll talk about this morning is we're to be baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all things that Jesus has commanded. We need to be willing to teach those things, teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded. Why do we want to do that? Why do we want to teach them the things that Jesus commanded? Well, if we get back to the basics of who Jesus Christ is, we will know why. Because Jesus said so. <laughs> because Jesus is the one who holds all authority in heaven and earth. Jesus is the one who is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our head. He is the one that we serve and worship. He is the one of whom we are preaching. And he is the one that we want people to have a relationship with. And we want everyone to experience the joy that they can have by serving Christ and making the sacrifices that we must in this world in order to carry out what he has called each and every one of us to do. That's why we teach them to observe all the things that Jesus has commanded. Discipling, it teaches believers that we are to go and to make disciples. Discipling is just that. It's, taking, it's a disciple taking another disciple and making them into someone who will go and make other disciples. We train one another. We, we train and we build one another up for the purpose of the ministry. This is training for the ministry. We are responsible to one another for training each other for what? The ministry. My question for you, and your, your testimony may be very similar to mine, but as a, as a newborn child of God at age 12, once I made my profession of faith, very quickly I was baptized. And then I went into the, just a normal circle of things again. Sunday morning, Sunday night, if you're a missionary Baptist, that's BTC. You know what I'm talking about. So we had, so we had you know, BTC on, on, on Sunday night, and then Wednesday night would come along. And yes, I was able to, and I, and I gained knowledge. Don't, don't get me wrong. I gained a biblical knowledge, which I think is invaluable. We need to gain as much knowledge about the Word of God as we possibly can. But I must say that I don't think that I was properly trained for the ministry. How many of you feel like you were properly trained for the ministry? No hands. We need to be properly trained to be effective in the culture in which we are directly responsible for. How to be effective in today's world. We need to recognize what's going on around us, and we need to be well-equipped with the gospel of Jesus Christ, as well as the arguments that are going to stand up against it. We have, an we, have a, we have an obligation, one, to be able to present the facts of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as well as tear down any argument that exalts itself up against the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And we need to be properly trained for that purpose. We need to be looking in and equipping one another. And I also want you to understand, it's a difficult thing to be a disciple who is discipling someone else. And the, most, and the scariest part about that is what? The accountability that you will put yourself in. If you take responsibility for a discipling another, whether it's a young person or someone who's just a peer and you're discipling one another, that's a huge accountability because they're going to be looking to you to see what you are doing and how you are living your life. And a lot of us don't want that accountability. The truth about it is, is we are called to make disciples. We are called to make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. That's how this works. That's why you are here today. It is by that purpose and that reason why, why First Baptist Church is here in Malvern. is because the, the, the writers of the New Testament and the, and the believers of the early church carried this out faithfully. And we are a result of that. 
but we must get back to the basics of what discipleship truly is. It's about training one another for the ministry to be active and to be able to go out and preach the gospel effectively to the community around us. We have to be willing to do that. This is equipping one another to impact the world for Christ. And I want you to understand, this is what my plans are to do on Wednesday evenings. This is, this is what's going in place on Wednesday evenings. I will be setting up curriculums and training, training opportunities for you to be a better disciple, for you to be a better soul winner, for you to have an understanding of why you believe what you believe and how you can articulate that to the world around us. Wednesday night is for that purpose. Now, I will say that Wednesday night, we, we started off really strong, but it has dwindled down, and I want you not to hang in there with this. You know, get in there and get and dig deep and learn together with one another on Wednesday night because that's where the focus of discipleship is going to be taking place as we move forward. We also have that within our Sunday school classes too where you're gaining a general knowledge in, as, as, as what's going on right now. And I, I don't want to disrupt that as far as how we're doing that, but continue to gain the general knowledge of, of, the, of, of the biblical of biblical knowledge. But on Wednesday night, this is our purpose, is we are going to be discipling you. We're going to be discipling one another, holding each other accountable so we can better, better engage with our community that we are directly responsible for. So as we are here, you know, as First Baptist Church, as we prepare for a time of invitation, this morning what I would like for you to consider I want you to ponder on and what I want you to be in very strong prayer is if we're going to turn our church around, I truly believe we need to get back to the basics. We need to get back to the basics of who Jesus Christ is. Let's recognize who he is. That is the one that we serve. Let's give him our proper perspective. We'll give him the proper place in our lives and in our church. We need to get back to the basics. So this morning as we are continuing as we are going to have our time of invitation as if you would stand as our, as our praise team takes their place on the stage. This morning, if you would join me in praying that after what we have heard, that God will truly open our eyes. I want you to pray with me this morning that God will open the eyes of your pastor. I want you to pray this morning that God will open the eyes of our church members here. And to make and bring something to the forefront of who we are and what we need to do, and for God to show us specific opportunities that we have to reach out to the people around us. Let's get a proper perspective of what it means to go. This morning, would you be willing to pray with me? Would you be willing to meet me down at the altar this morning? As we come together as God's people, we ask God to show us where our next step is, to let us be effective in what we're doing here in Malvern, what we're doing in our neighborhood, 